Imagine a 10-story high wall of water with a foamy white peak smashing into the shore. That's the mental image we all have when we think of tsunamis. But is it accurate? And if it is, why don't daredevil surfers ride them? That's a huge wave begging to be caught. Fear of heights? Top speeds? Because they choose life? Don't want to smack right into a building when that thing crashes into the shore and floods through the streets? But they're supposed to be daredevils! And how cool would it be if you, with your cheeks flapping in the wind, could ride that tsunami right into your 10th floor apartment? Just don't forget to leave the window open when you head out. No, seriously, where would anyone get the idea to surf a tsunami? I know where. Movies. All those disaster flicks depicting tsunamis as monstrous waves. It's like they cut that wave from a summertime fun surfer movie, pasted it into their own, and blew the image way up. And don't forget about that blue-gray filter. There we go, our disaster tsunami blockbuster is ready. Leave it to the filmmakers to overlook the details. Realistically, the difference between tsunamis and surfing waves is as ridiculously huge as that movie wave about to take out that skyscraper. You can surf on a massive wave, as long as it's the right kind. And that surfable kind can even be bigger than tsunamis. Some surfers ride them every year, but I'll get into that a bit later. So what is the difference between this right kind of wave and tsunamis? Well, in surfing, every wave has a face or wall. That's the sweet spot each surfer looks for to ride down from. Like going downhill on a snowboard, only you aren't strapped to the board and there's always an avalanche behind you. And there could be sharks right under your feet, waiting to clean up whatever's left of you when you wipe out. <laughs> Sorry, that got a little um, terrifying. Surfing's fun, but uh, I'll watch from the beach, thanks. Tsunamis aren't like this at all. Imagine a tsunami more like a giant tide that comes in in a matter of minutes. Yes, the water will likely rise 30, sometimes 60 feet higher than it usually does. But it won't do it as a wave with that much needed wall. It'll be something like a hill of water that rolls in. Think of it like a giant, gloopy lava traveling over the shore, only faster. No, even faster. Wait. That's even more terrifying than the shark thing. Never mind. For a normal surfable wave to appear, all you need is the wind to blow. Tsunamis, however, are borne by some relatively rare events like earthquakes and underwater volcano eruptions. This is also where the difference in force is coming from. Tsunamis aren't always bigger than regular waves, but they are much more powerful. So every time they come, they tend to bring disaster with them. When an underwater earthquake happens, it produces unbelievable amounts of energy that literally punches the water. This energy has to go somewhere, and that somewhere is towards the shore in the form of a tsunami. In fact, next time you're doing the dishes and in need of some fun, you can make your own mini tsunami. Just place your hand fully underwater and move it up and down, even just a little bit. You'll see ripples on the surface. This is what happens in the ocean after an earthquake, but on a much larger scale. Tsunamis gain incredible speed from the ocean bed moving or shifting up to 200 miles per hour. 
So those things hit land going as fast as an arrow through the air? Well, that's why I said cheeks flapping in the wind as you ride that gnarly wave. But no, seriously, they aren't going nearly that speed when they crash onto the shore. They lose a lot of that energy as they meet the rise of the ocean floor near the coastline and any underwater obstacle in their path. When you surf into your apartment window, you'll only be going about 30 miles per hour. They might slow down, but the wave grows bigger as it gets closer to the coast. Mega tsunamis are those 100-footers that'll get you into your 10th floor flat. The average height for most is only about 10 to 30 feet. Yeah, only. Compare that to a normal surfing wave. It's usually 6 feet high and only goes about 13 miles per hour. That's why tsunamis are still fast and big enough to cause major damage. But the surfy ones are no walk in the park either. Those kinds can be dangerous too. Just like tsunamis, wind-driven waves will rise when they hit an underwater obstacle near the shore. This obstacle, be it an underwater ridge or coral reef, is the main source of danger for surfers. If a surfer can't hang, they'll be dragged into the deep where sharp reefs lie. That and hitting the water doesn't exactly feel like a gentle pat on the back for a job well done. Okay, I get it. You can't surf a tsunami. But we're in what-if territory, where the rules don't apply, and my imagination likes to run wild. So let's have some fun tackling this challenge. First things first. Since the tsunami isn't a usual wave, we need to find a way to turn it into a surfing spot. You know, somehow get it to form a wall. One thing that could work is an artificial obstacle under the water that'll be specifically designed to strip the tsunami of its monstrous energy. Sorry, we'll lose some of that epic speed, but we need to make it rise higher. The obstacle will have to be a massive structure, but still deep enough that our surfer doesn't bog his head if he wipes out. Next, we need to take further safety measures. In this case, some sturdy gear. Typical surfing wetsuits are made of neoprene, a flexible material that can protect you only from cold water and help you stay afloat. But lucky you! A new technology recently emerged, a wetsuit that can resist a shark bite. It's like Kevlar vests in a way. All the tests show that it can't be punctured with sharp objects, and it prevents bones from breaking. Unfortunately, bruises from blunt impact are inevitable. It's tsunami surfing we're talking about, after all. And finally, the board itself. If riding a normal surf wave is a fair challenge of your sense of balance, then keeping yourself on that board while riding a tsunami might just be impossible. Remember what if? Okay, let's throw some stabilizers on that bad boy. There, now you're ready. You're ready, aren't you? Don't chicken out on me now. Come on, people have done this. They do it all the time in Nazir, Portugal. Well, they don't surf tsunamis, of course. But big wave pro surfers go there every year to challenge Nazir swell. And this 30-foot tsunami you're about to ride is just a pup compared to the biggest wave ever surfed. It was 80 feet high, more than twice the height of a telephone pole. 
Brazilian pro surfer Rodrigo Coja broke this record in 2017. Maya Gaviera set the woman's record by conquering a 68-foot wave in 2018. And I don't think that's the limit, because waves in Nazaire can reach 100 feet at times. Hey, the reason why waves in Nazaire are so big lies deep underneath the ocean surface. This place has one of the largest underwater canyons in Europe. It's a 140-mile-long, 3-mile-deep gash in the seabed that pushes insane amounts of seismic energy to produce massive waves by the time they hit the shore. The canyon alone triples wave heights here. But there's also strong ocean currents and powerful swell winds in this region. So, it's like the perfect storm for surfers who like a real challenge. 